Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. Now it's time for Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knapsack. Four Center friends, welcome to another episode of Spotlight Star Wars, a monologue from me to you. And I actually want to follow up on what we were talking about last week and share a story from well, a previous guest, a friend of mine, and yeah, a listener of Four Center, which I appreciate to the end of all times here. Uh, what we were talking about last week, among a lot of things here on Spotlight Star Wars, was the, those shared connections, what I like to call the language of pop. And, and when you look across the room and see someone uh, representing Star Wars in some fashion, you make a reference and they get it. And that brings you closer together. And in many cases, forms bonds, friendships, relationships, and more. It's, it's one of my favorite things about being a Star Wars fan. And even in this era where... You can get Star Wars merch anywhere now, toys anywhere now. You can find Star Wars fans almost anywhere now, which, again, uh, proves this is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. 
Even then, you can find and form those connections, sometimes based on specific little things. Uh, This is sometimes why I think maybe I go for more subtle Star Wars memorabilia and merch to wear now than uh, in the past. I remember when the big, uh, what I call the t-shirt explosion of the of the mid-2010s, that 2012, 13, 14, 15 range, where everyone had a mashup t-shirt and every company was trying to get you to order a t-shirt every month or nine. Uh, and it was fun. You know, um, I have a Daenerys Targaryen uh, serial parody t-shirt. I have a, a Daenerys Targaryen how to lock up your dragons parody mashup t-shirt. And that's just Game of Thrones. I have many from Star Wars, though I did finally get rid of them. It's just not my style anymore. I feel, uh, again, I'm going for the more subtle approach. But out of that era where everyone could go get a T-shirt or everyone could go to Target and get that red Millennium Falcon T-shirt, which, by the way, is a damn good T-shirt. Get it if you can get it. Uh, I, I, I've switched up a little bit, and I, I have a... A shirt sometimes I've mentioned, I have, it's, it's the imperial design on the inside of Star Destroyers or the Death Star. That hallway light, the long, short uh, lines, the, the white uh, light shining through the dark quarters of the, uh, the hallways. You know the one. And I have a t-shirt that just is that. I also have some uh, shoes uh, that are uh, just that print. And more often than that, especially with shoes, and I don't know who goes staring at shoes, uh, it doesn't get noticed. It's just too subtle. It doesn't say Star Wars on it. And, and even me or, or you, a, a, a more uh, detail-oriented fan, might overlook that. And I love when I wear that shirt and it gets recognized. It's always a subtle, hey, I like your shirt. Hey, is that what I think it is? Hey, look at that. Imperial is at the hallways of the, uh, the Death Star. Yeah, it is. And right then and there. Grocery store, uh, cashier, someone at the bank. Wait a minute, I don't go to the bank anymore. Do you go to the bank anymore? Uh, anywhere. Someone sees that shirt, and it is kind of that shared language of pop. And sometimes it's just incidental uh, contact out and about. But other times, it goes longer. Adam Witt from the movie Guys uh, is who I was talking about, and he texts me after last week's episode and just says, hey, I want to share this story. And I promised Adam... Look, I'll, I'll bring you on the show again soon because Adam and I love talking Star Wars, but I'm recording this kind of on a late-night kind of schedule, and I didn't want to bother Adam. Uh, though Adam's probably, it's probably 2 a.m., and Adam's up watching Solo because why not? Adam wrote this to me. He says, hey, 1996, during the first Star Wars pause, which is uh, that's kind of like the tail end of the Star Wars pause and, and, and rumors of... Special editions and prequels were were so, you know, hot and heated up that the pause, we all felt it was going to be ending. And, you know, the Power of the Force 2 figures come out with 95. So it's not as, uh, it's the tail end of that pause, but Adam's Adam's right. That big Star Wars pause. And in 1996, he says, I wore a Boba Fett shirt. Not easy to find back then, which is true. To my first improv class at Second City, Sandy Marshall saw my shirt and said to himself, he and I are going to be friends. Sandy gave me a ride home a few weeks later, and I had the same thought when I saw he had an X-Wing hanging from his rearview mirror. We formed a sketch troupe that has been together in some form for 20 years. That is the power of Star Wars, the shared language of the cultural phenomenon that is Star Wars. It's so big and so wide, but it's also so uniquely our own. And that's why when you... See someone who speaks that same language. It means everything. Adam's right. It's so weird to think. I I, I mean, here I am. I told you, I, I got rid of Star Wars shirts a couple of years ago. 30 or 40 of them. Garage sale. And some people bought them. Good for them. Uh, Grace actually uh, leaned uh, over to me during the garage sale. And she says, do you think that guy knows it? Star Wars trivia champion is selling uh, him uh, those Star Wars T-shirts. And I said that 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 would lower the value. But it, it is weird to think back to time where it was hard to find a Star Wars shirt. And if you got one, you held on to it. Uh, were they available? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could mail away for money. But I'm talking about out and about. If you didn't get a, a an episode of Star Wars an issue of Star Wars Insider, uh, you couldn't really find the Star Wars shirt that you wanted. And it was, uh, it was a treasure to find one. So I held on to that Princess Leia shirt I had in the mid-90s for so long. And then there was, you know, the dark times of, uh, you know, do I want to wear this Star Wars shirt? 
Because that reaction that I'm talking about, the reaction that I'm celebrating, the flip side of that is uh, scorn. Straight up scorn. Yeah, you watch that Star Wars? You ever going to grow up and that nerd crap? Yeah, it was real. That's That was real. That's why I think we all kind of really hate it when it still kind of pops up. And gatekeeping of any kind, especially with inside the walls of our fandom, that's still a problem. I wanted to talk about the Star Wars special editions here. I've been thinking about this lately. I think we all have a interesting, unique, at times complicated relationship with the Star Wars special editions. Joseph and I have been discussing that lately on the shows from time to time, and it always comes up. And as I, as I always say, and I'll say now, I celebrate those editions of the film for many reasons. Number one, as Adam Witt mentioned in his story to me, 1996, yeah, some figures are out. Yeah, there's talk of new Star Wars films, but it wasn't until you actually got the special editions in 1997 that I think that true explosion of Star Wars began. And yeah, again, following Revenge of the Sith, and it might have have faded out a little bit, even with the Clone Wars and Force Unleashed and a lot of great Star Wars stories out there. uh, It went dark a little bit again. But 97, it was pretty special to sit in a theater and watch Star Wars again. And I will always champion those films as the entry point for an entire generation of Star Wars fans. I love special edition generation fans. Just as much as I, perhaps even more than I like the prequels. Well, the prequels made sense, right? Yeah, new films, 99. God, get out in the theater and see it. Special editions, I think, are underrated for their effect on entire generations of fans. Until then, Star Wars might have been something your older sibling whispered about or had uh, you sit down and watch a ratty VHS copy. Uh, Star Wars was something that uh, was in the rearview mirror of a lot of fans and kids. And now here, you're in a theater, seeing it for the first time, while the rest of us are seeing it again for the first time. But what was on the screen was, without a doubt, uh, raises some thoughts and some controversial uh, hot takes at times. And I've been all over the map on those. I have been on any and every side of the Star Wars Special Edition arguments. And I get them. I still do. I don't uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to watch Star Wars, unless, as Joseph says, you're absolutely rooting for Palpatine with all your heart. Uh, but I think there's ways, better ways to engage with it at times. I think there's uh, growth to be had, and I'm sure that's something I'll be mentioning here in a bit, but... I understand the special edition arguments. I understand all the videos uh, that you can make about the bad uh, choices that George made and how dare George do this and some of the very thoughtful, intellectual conversations about uh, why the Star Wars films shouldn't have been changed and shouldn't have been re-released in that fashion, even though people fully acknowledge that they are George's movies and he kind of began changing them almost the moment they were released in theaters in 1977, 80, 83 and beyond. He was never fully happy, a frustrated artist through and through. I think he's still frustrated, frustrated with his decision to sell, frustrate, frustrated with his decision for them not to tell his stories. And perhaps he's even more frustrated, more frustrated than a Sabaro meal ending that, that, that he did it. And maybe he, he, he wishes he didn't sell them and, and it would have made the movies. I don't know. George is hard to read. He's a a lovable curmudgeon in a flannel shirt at times. I don't necessarily like the Greedo shot first take. I do like McClunky. I don't like the Jabba the Hutt scene. And man, Joe Yaza and the updated Jabba's Palace singing stance sequence uh, that tests uh, the bounds of my Star Wars love. I get it. I totally get it. An additional no, an Ewok blinking, or again, the McClunky of it all. I can get behind some of those arguments of just show what was there. It's a time capsule, good or bad, what was released in 77, 80, and 83. Now again, Lucas made changes along the way. 
The old joke you hear a lot of us old-timers make, well, in my day, we called it Star Wars, not this A New Hope Episode Four bull roar. Yeah, that's, that's part of the changes, of course, George made. Changes are okay. I think especially within Star Wars. So for every change in the special edition that all of us could poke at, I just can't fully understand the absolute disregard or not even dislike, but just the disassociation some fans have, or older fans, and maybe all ages, all generations. I shouldn't just shouldn't preclude them, but I've had many conversations with folks. I don't acknowledge those films. I don't watch them. They don't count to me. And I just think that's counterintuitive to the Star Wars story itself. I I look at the life and times of many of our Star Wars characters. They are about choices. They're about fate and destiny leading you to those choices. And they're about growth. Han Solo was one of my favorite characters. In fact, he is my favorite Star Wars character, as you've heard me say many times. And he continues to grow, and he continues to make mistakes, and he continues to come back from it. I love Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi simply because he had stumbled. And he still showed that you can make mistakes, you can grow from them, and you can make better choices later. And uh, not give in to those instincts and not give in to those instincts that are always there. That's very real to me. I'm someone who suffers from depression. I'm so much better in the last 10, 15 years of my life than I was in the first 30. Depression almost defeated me a couple times. And, well, I thought I got over it. I went to therapy and worked on it. Mental health, mental health and, and taking care of yourself is very important to me. And there's a time where you kind of feel, and you look across and you tell your therapist, yeah, you feel better. I think we're good here. This has been a fun run. And you go back out into the world with new tools at your disposal, new skills to combat this enemy. For me, the enemy was depression. And then maybe one day you, you feel it again. One day you falter. One day the darkness really comes back up. And that almost feels worse than when you initially were fighting against it because you thought you defeated it. You thought you turned the bad guy good. You thought you won the day and you won the war. And then here it is again. And it's heartbreaking. It's almost the depression of the returning depression is almost too much for me. And that's why I, uh, among many reasons, found the story of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi inspirational for me personally. And I'm not saying those who wanted him to charge down a hill with a green lightsaber ignited, ready to join the fight, uh, you know, were, were wrong. If that's what they wanted and that's what they felt they needed to hear, I, I get it. I'm not going to take that away from you. I, I, I am far removed from 2017 when I might have tried to take that away with you. But I've grown. Luke continued to grow. Han Solo continued to grow. Leia grew. I love when Joseph points out this, this great truth about Leia. She's steadfast. She is the through line. She's going from point A to point B, and that's the rebellion for her. And she puts that above all else, which is why when she grows and allows herself to love Han and let Han love her, it's, it's a big moment for her. That's growth. Jin Erso doesn't want to look up to get involved. She does. Bodie Rook makes things better. He makes a choice. He makes a change. Uh, and the biggest one of all, Anakin Skywalker. Star Wars is about growth. It is about change. And that really does tie to my personal view of the Star Wars special editions. I'm a Star Wars fan. I've never not been a Star Wars, Star Wars fan. Once it hit my life and hit my heart, it's never gone away. There's been other things in my life that have gone up and down things that I don't uh, check in with, which is, uh, you know, it's okay. I'm not talking about, like, I'm a baseball fan. There's some years I don't watch baseball as much as others. I'm a pro wrestling fan and have worked in and out of pro wrestling for 20 years. Uh, yeah, you know, and sometimes I don't watch it as much as I used to. And other times it comes back and the love is always there. But there's other things in my life that, yeah, you know, the love was there and it fades. Star Wars has always been there. 
But there was times after the special editions where I was like, what was he thinking? There's times after the prequels where I said, what was he thinking? And there's probably times some of you listening watch those films or taking in other Star Wars stories, even in the Disney era. We're pretty positive about them in Force Center, obviously, but you might be listening going, I love you guys, but hey, those movies don't connect with me as much. And what were they thinking? And I think that's okay in the moment. I think that's okay. I'm not even saying it's a mistake or a stumble, but you can grow from there. You can continue to engage in Star Wars and be inspired by Star Wars and come to accept some of the silly things. The Jedi rock sequence in Return of the Jedi will always be silly to me and not necessarily in the best way. But it's there and it's part of the story and there's great characters in there and there's great moments to be found. And now I look at it differently. I look at the rebuilt and reconstructed Cloud City and think, yeah, that's the one I like more. I look at the extra footage with Biggs and just feel good that I got to see a little bit of that more of that connection that I knew was there. But it's there. It's there for me to inter interact with. It's there for me to see. Not just dream about or read about in a book or see a still photo from a production shop. It's there. Nah, we don't get cool, sexy Biggs in a cape on Tatooine officially in the film, but we know that one's there as well. Uh, it's all, uh, you know, uh, something I look at a little bit differently now. Than I used to. So I'm glad my fandom wasn't set in stone in 1997 or 99 or 2002 or 2005. I do love growing as a Star Wars fan. I can guarantee you that in 1997, if I was sitting in that theater and Greedo, in addition to shooting first or a little bit later, shooting at the same time, but if in addition to that, Greedo blurted out, McClunky. I might have gotten up and left. You know. Oh, the hubris of youth. When McClunky was revealed this time around, I had a great laugh. George's last little joke, his last little tweak, and it had been sitting there the whole time. Someone at Disney, someone at Lucasfilm knew that the McClunky bomb was coming. And I love that I loved it. I'm not patting myself on the back. There's other things I don't interact with and engage with as as uh, best as other do uh, other other people out there do in the fandom. You know, get me get me to, uh, get me kvetching about Thrawn, and I sound like a grumpy old man sometimes too. Though I do love Thrawn. So, when it comes to the McClunky of it all, allow yourself that growth and allow yourself to continue to engage with all corners of this silly Star Wars world. We are unbelievably so wrapping up March of 2021. I can't get the words out without laughing at my advancing age. I am, uh, though, looking in uh, one of my favorite books to poke through every now and then, Star Wars Year by Year, a visual history, the updated and expanded edition. And I was just kind of looking at things coming up, little anniversaries, things to talk about. And I hit upon this one. It's in April. Again, we're closing up March. But hey, close enough. Unless you're Red Leader trying to take down the Death Star, then I guess Garvin Dave Drace would say it's probably important to be accurate. In April of 1998, George Lucas approved the first shot of Jar Jar Binks. Throughout principal photography, of course, Ahmed Bess would wear the detailed rubber Jar Jar Binks suit to allow ILM the possibility of retaining his on-set performance would have been interesting, and enhancing it with the digital Jar Jar head. Interesting if they had just gone with the costume, I guess. Uh, this, of course, uh, as we all know now, uh, is uh, historic. It's important, and it's all about the Jar Jarness of it all. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, without a doubt, uh, is a character that will still uh, elicit some strong opinions, and it should elicit some strong opinions. Jar Jar should bring out a reaction in you. And sometimes that reaction is eh, one one toke over the line, sweet Jesus, to quote an old song. Um, 
it should maybe challenge you about what you want out of Star Wars or what you think. And it should make you look to the spot next, next to you. Who's sitting next to you on the couch or in the theater watching Star Wars? And what do they think? And what's their age? And how are they taking it in? We're not done talking about Jar Jar Binks on Force Center. We're not done processing our Jar Jar thoughts. I absolutely was a pound my fist on the desk and scream about Jar Jar Binks person back in the day. Our friend Chen Landa was too. Infamously burning a Jar Jar figure on a YouTube video. Now she has a daughter whose favorite character is Jar Jar Binks. Uh, Karma in the Force, Chen might say so. But also an indication of the many ways Star Wars hits us. One of the things I'm absolutely happy is just this re-embracing of Ahmed Best. We've talked about that a lot, and I can't wait. I hope there's more seasons of the Jedi Temple Challenge, and I hope Kelleran Beck becomes a, a, a character that pops up somewhere else, too, and I don't want it to be animated. I want it to be live action. I don't know uh, when and where, but make it work. Uh, even though Ahmed Best had a out of uh, Jar Jar Binks uh, cameo in episode two, as we know. Um, uh, I want Ahmed Best front and center in a narrative-based super canon story of Star Wars. And that's something I just um, didn't allow myself to think watching Phantom Menace or even Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. I was, I was one of the ones that celebrated Jar Jar being removed from the story. Get him out of there. That's changed over the years. And a large part because of Chuck Wendez, Wendeg's uh, epilogue uh, of Jar Jar Binks. Wrote about that, talk about that often. And I have found myself as lately just being downright angry at those who take shots at Jar Jar Binks. Now, anger is not good. It's not the Star Wars way. I'm not recommending that you out there be angry. Uh, in fact, maybe you out there go, no, Ken, I still have a problem with Jar Jar Binks. And, and look, again, I get it. I get these things. We don't just do that on Force Center because we're, uh, you know, I, we hear this a lot sometimes in comments. Hey, I wish you guys would just say uh, that you don't like something in Star Wars. Hey, it's not what we're here for. We're here to engage with what's there, discuss it, and take all perspectives and and put it through ours. And, and yes, yeah, sometimes our perspective is in disagreement with others, and sometimes we acknowledge that we can never see a character the way someone else can, but we love that character nonetheless. Um, we're just trying to acknowledge all of it. So I, I, I can still, if you, you, you can't accept Jar Jar on some deeper level and you respect Ahmed best or you understand that kids like Jar Jar, I'm fine with that. We don't need to go farther beyond that. But I just I found myself, and I was on a, I was on a show recently, a charity live stream, and, and a question came up about Jar Jar and another Star Wars character, and uh, it was the question was meant to be, uh, you know, it was derogatory towards uh, Jar Jar, not I'm at best, but just it was it was making fun. It was it was. Would you rather be this stupid Star Wars character that everyone hates, or this stupid Star Wars character that ever hates? That everyone hates. And I, I couldn't take it. I just couldn't take it. I wasn't mean. I wasn't angry. as professionals as the best I can. But I, I gave a little monologue. Probably out of place on a silly, stupid charity live stream. Which we were playing a, uh, a game of Would You Rather. Like we were in fourth grade. I gave a little monologue speech on Jar Jar Binks being one of the most important characters in Star Wars. And I actually thought about I I, I wasn't just speaking out of power. I believe that. I believe that Jar Jar Binks is one of the most important characters in Star Wars because of what he meant to so many and what he continues to mean to the generations discovering Star Wars now. We always go to, and we mentioned Force Center a lot, but we, we go to 1999. I go to my own life where my cousin was seven at the time. And he said, oh, my favorite Star Wars movie is Phantom Menace. And I just, I, here I was, 22, 23, going, oh, okay, okay, dumb little kid. Wait till you grow up and uh, appreciate real Star Wars. And Jar Jar was his guy. And he's grown up and he's changed and became a film fan and, and cinephile. And I don't even think he likes Phantom Menace as, as much as I do now. But that was the first time I had to press uh, the brakes on my hot takes on Star Wars. So why I think Jar Jar is and will continue to be one of the most important characters in Star Wars is because he's going to continue to reach generation after generation, just as George intended. The power, the purpose, and even I say the genius of Chuck Wendig's 
epilogue, epilogue of Jar Jar Binks in the Aftermath um, book, was Empire's End, is it really is just such a meta-commentary on what Jar Jar was. His friends blamed him for problems. His friends, his adult friends, Gungans and Naboo alike, turned their back on him. Here the war was raging. And all that was left for Jar Jar was the kids, the refugees of that war. And his purpose was to not just entertain them, but to reach them, and connect with them and provide them comfort. Provide them a, a sense of safety and a sense perhaps of inspiration that as you continue to grow forward and you continue to grow, Maybe you won't need old Jar Jar, but I'll get you to that point. Jar Jar represents that in Star Wars. And, and what I love, too, about Wendeg's epilogue all these years later, and I wrote about it in, in, in my book, Why We Love Star Wars. I talk about it often. I'll reference it again. There might even be a spotlight Star Wars in two months when I reference it because I think about it a lot now. Wendeg uses, uh, you know, the war and, and refugees, and that can be a very real world, uh, you know, uh, you can look into the real world and find conversations about war and refugees and immigrants and all those kind of... You can, you can go that way, and Wendig's clearly a person that does. And he takes a conversation that way, and, and there's that part of the... Uh, part of that uh, entry, part of that little epilogue, a uh, little interlude, has that. I always say, by the way, the epilogue of Judger Banks, it, but it's one of those interludes in uh, that. But uh, to me, it is just the epilogue of the character. But Jar Jar, uh, in that sequence in that essay in that in that part of the story is, is he's talking about the war and talking about the destruction and talking about his friends and talking about him people blaming him and i can't help and this is what i think wendig put in there that that is the war amongst us fans the original trilogy fans the sequel trilogy fans the prequel fans and we shout and we scream and we pile on people online and we scream and then some horrible people online doing some horrible things to star wars fans there's gatekeeping gatekeeping within our fandom uh gatekeeping um with uh uh, you know, uh, with, uh, with with on our own ranks, and, and, and it can be hurt, hurtful and destructive, and, and and we scream and we shout. And underneath all that are the young kids discovering Star Wars who don't yet know your hot take, don't yet know what what cool podcast to listen to, or don't know what podcasts to avoid. Ah, they might be poking around YouTube, which is dangerous in its own right, but they just love Star Wars. Yeah, they love Luke, they love Han, they love Padme, they love Qui-Gon, they love uh, Chopper, they love Ezra, they love them all. And they should. But I think Jar Jar still emerges as Jen Land is learning in her own house as a powerful character that's there for them. And while everyone else has got the lightsabers, the capes, and all those cool things, and I was pulled in by those at a young age, and I'm sure all of you were too. But I was also pulled in by a cute little furry Ewok Helping Leia in his time of need. I, I was I was an Ewok fan before I knew that I shouldn't be. Which is another conversation. Jar Jar Binks is still there for an entire generation of fans, youngsters, younglings, who are refugees in these wars of fandom. And by the way, I'm not saying... Some of these wars aren't uh, wars that we might need to fight from time to time. But beyond that, there is, uh, there's the snark, there's the hot takes, there's the willing ignorance to understand these movies. There is uh, putting your perspective powerfully and, and demonstrably, uh, demonstrably uh, above and before other people's perspectives. But Jar Jar remains. Jar Jar's there. And all the capes and the Sith and the dark side powers, all the fighting, all the blasters, all those cool things sometimes don't speak to the up-and-coming up Star Wars generation. Like that googly-eyed, bumbling Gungan that saved the day in spite of himself. So here's to you, Jar Jar Binks. I will defend you. I'll defend you to the end of time. And until you find a way to get Jar Jar Binks back in a Star Wars story. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I liked Revenge of the Sith. I liked it a lot. I probably even liked it more in 2005 than I cared to admit, and it was part of the reason I eventually uh, got to appreciate the prequels a little bit more. I've talked often about sitting there playing the second Battlefront two back in the day, about 2005, six range, right? We're going to release that. And hearing Padme's ruminations play over the Mustafar map while I was roaming around with clones, and I realized suddenly, oh, wait a minute, I think I like the prequels. It was a longer process from that. But one of the things I did say to friends in conversations, and thank God there weren't podcasts, or at least I wasn't on any podcast in the early days of the format back there in 05, 06, and 07 range. But I would, I would tell friends, and I would tell people, ah, yeah, Revenge of the Sith was good. I didn't really like the fall of Vader. It happened so fast. I didn't really like it. And then, you know, you got this powerful dark side user, and he goes and... Kills children, I, I don't know. And then you don't even really get to see it. And you don't get to see him kick ass in the temple. I don't know. I liked it. I liked the movie. But, uh, uh, you know, and it ends with Darth Vader. You get James Earl Jones and you put uh, Hayden in the suit. And he's talking about Padme. I, I just know. I don't know about that. I, I like Sith, but maybe I would have changed that, right? <laughs> oh, thank God George Lucas didn't listen to me. That line of thinking, that line of thought, I know has been in the Star Wars conversation lately. And again, I don't really go for a, 
I don't go for a Twitter pileup, even when it's sometimes deserved. And yes, sometimes it's deserved. Uh, very much so. I, I get that. But I, I just don't, I don't want to wade in those waters. I always say, and I said it earlier on the show, I don't know if there's a wrong way to watch Star Wars unless you're openly rooting for Palpatine. As Joseph Scrimshaw said one day, as I was just going on a rant about, I don't know, I'll take anyone's view on Star Wars. Well, you know, Palpatine had some things that were wrong about him. <laughs> we like him as a character. I don't know if you want him to win, but it's a different conversation. I think when I hear that, and it's not, uh, I, you know, my belief on it, no five, and, 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 and recent conversations around Vader's turn and Revenge of the Sith and what we should or should not have seen, it's not a conversation that's going to go away. Someone's going to see that and someone's going to want it. And look, the Darth Vader hallway scene in Rogue One is cool in its own way. And you, and you can't deny that. When I wrote about it in my book, I celebrated it because it's it's a it's a great moment for Star Wars. This is this is something we all wanted to see. It was Vader being Vader. It's a horror scene. It's a horror movie. He is the monster, and he is hunting, and he is ruthless, and he is dark, and it's powerful. And sometimes I think it's okay to admit that we kind of go, yeah, "That's a." I mean, we're not rooting for him, but uh, that was kind of cool, right? That was kind of cool. It's a powerful sequence. So that's why I don't hold people to the flame too much for looking at Revenge of the Sith and thinking that, because I thought it too. Not here to say what's right and what's wrong, but I am here to say just let people grow as Star Wars fans. That is what this entire episode, this entire monologue, you're probably all tired of listening to is about this week. Allow for the growth in our characters and allow for growth in fans. And maybe they don't grow. And I'm not talking about personal real world beliefs. I'm not talking about personal actions or things that would are, are done to hurt other fans or things that are done to keep fans out of fandom. I'm not talking about that. And I think a lot of you might know what I'm referencing both in general and specific things and pick an incident over the last five, six years. I'm not talking about that. There's times to stand up and there's times to protect and there's times to continue to message uh, your uh, takes on Star Wars properly, which is something we really work hard to do here at Force Center, though we're not always perfect. But when it comes to just how people engage with the story and what they take from the story, I think it's okay to allow them to grow and to not think that your journey is done. As I've mentioned all through this episode, I, I've seen things, thought certain, certain things about scenes and characters in, in the Star Wars story, and then found a year or two later, things have changed. Maybe it's something in my life, maybe it's something I see about the scene, or maybe it's just something I missed. It's possible to miss a lot of what is in these Star Wars stories. They're so simple, but they are layered, full of, of so many themes and lessons to take from. The story of Darth Vader is one of my favorite ones because I did miss it in 2005. I am one of those ones that George Lucas has had to say a few times, and he said it before Sith came out. I kind of had to focus on the story of Darth Vader and Anakin and his fall because I think people were missing the point. Is that the only reason George didn't do his seven battles on seven planets in uh, Revenge of the Sith, is that the, the reason Padme was written out a little bit? No, there's a lot of other real world, world reasons. And believe me, I'd want, I want more and more Padme in, in stories. She's such a wonderful character. But I totally understand what George is saying. It's easy to lob snark grenades at those who want to see uh, Vader swipe down younglings, who want to see Vader just destroy everyone in the temple. Um, it's easy to do that. And, and look, I think to actively want that, I, I think it is to, to miss some of the point. But it's okay if they miss the point. Allow them to get to the point where they understand what George was trying to say. I still look at uh, good old Soros Bandim as uh, Anakin looking at his past and and having to destroy it. Not something I wanted to see. We know it's done. We know it's 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 brutal, and but we know why. The whole series started with a a nine year old version of Anakin yelling "Yippee!" and "Wizard." 
And that kid had a heart of gold and was brought up the right way. And, and his journey changed him and continued to change him and continued to break him down. And he continued to make the wrong choices. And I think Anakin had to destroy his past to become Vader. Again, do I want to see it? No. And he did it all because of attachment, because of fear of loss. He did it all because of Padme. He did it all so that he could get that power to keep her alive. Not for her benefit, but for his, because he couldn't take thinking of a world without her. He couldn't take of his world without her. And because of that, because of that grip, he lost himself and was put into a prison. So the first words out of his new mouth should be, where's Padme? It should be, no, she was alive. She was alive. And he should stumble forward on feet that he doesn't yet know how to walk on and scream, no, because the deal he took was bad. That's there and that's there for us. And if along the way that journey you think, I don't know, Vader, he's a pretty powerful Jedi. He presses X on his controller a lot and uses his force powers and Maybe I should have seen him uh, uh, cut Shakti in half. Uh, all right. All right. That alone doesn't mean you miss the other stuff. It just means maybe you're not focusing on it. And maybe you're not clued into that part of the Star Wars story. It's there for you. But I want you to get it. I want you to get there on your own time. And maybe you never do. But we all take from Star Wars what we want. We all take from Star Wars what we get and maybe that what we get at that time. I didn't see those themes when I was seven or eight. You watching Jar Jar dance around at seven or eight doesn't mean you saw all the themes, good and bad, of Jar Jar Binks. It doesn't mean it. It's not how George designed this. But he wants you to find those layers. He wants you to take them with you. And yes, he always says it's for those 12-year-olds. But as we've learned and as Luke Skywalker learned, you don't hit a point where you fully understand everything and you've reached the zenith of who you're going to be and you stop. You'll still face challenges again and sometimes you'll still face the very same challenges you thought you defeated. Growth and the choice to grow. Bring it on home is what Star Wars is about for me and many of you out there. The fall of Anakin Skywalker is to me one of the, maybe even the most important story of Star Wars. It is the dark side in action. And that dark side is very real. And the dark side might want unlimited power and offer cool red lightsabers and dark capes and lightning bolts from your hands. And it may offer some sort of version of eternal life. It may offer unlimited power. But to get there, you lose everything about yourself. And the power you get is not what you wanted. We don't necessarily need to see that. We can see it in a hallway. We can see it when we, uh, you know, when we're ready for it. But what we need to see is the pain of a man looking up and his eyes go wide one last time as the mask that he sold his soul to get, whether he wanted that mask or not, is being dropped down onto his face and sealing with a beat of silence, a wisp of smoke, and an ominous theme that plays for us, but is heard in his heart. When I ignited my blade to destroy my path, I died that day. Slowly but surely, Darth Vader continues to fight Anakin Skywalker until Anakin Skywalker wins. Thanks to a blade being thrown down, the compassion and love of a child, the connection to a daughter he once tortured. That drives Anakin forward. He changes finds redemption because he was allowed to grow. He was allowed to make that one final decision by Luke Skywalker. So, 
There's a lot more details to discuss. There's a lot more details to break down about the fall of Anakin Skywalker. And along the way, he does some pretty damn cool things because he is the best damn pilot in the galaxy. He's one of the most powerful fighters. Yeah. What kid didn't grab that figure, whether it's a Kenner figure from the 70s, a buff Power of the Force figure, or a more detailed uh, model-like figure later on? Who didn't grab a Vader figure and were around his red blade? Think to yourself, man, he's pretty powerful. He does some cool stuff. I think it's okay to want that. It's okay okay to think about that. It's just not where you should stop. So let's all continue to grow as Star Wars fans, and let's all continue to learn and maybe even teach others. But most importantly, continue to teach ourselves. That's Spotlight Star Wars for this week. Thank you for listening so much. Um, I really appreciate it. We've got some great stuff coming up this week on Force Center, including a deeper look at Rogue One, uh, continuing our look at Clone Wars, uh, pretty soon getting ready for Bad Batch. That's crazy. And whatever news decides to break after we're done recording. So if you're listening to episodes in order, continue with us this week. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. You can like us on Instagram or YouTube if you want as well. Uh, you can uh, like us on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. Get a free audiobook on us at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center or support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, you can find me at Catnapsock or my website, catnapsock.com. Right now, I'm going to go back and watch some Star Wars. I got a lot of growing to do. See you next week, friends. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.